This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Yeah, yeah. Fundies called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Michael Goldberg, thanks very much for coming back on Talk Your Book. I know which stock and, and what topic we're going to talk about today. And I know it's in the gold space. Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about gold and why you like that more broadly, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the uh, the stock specific idea. For sure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So, from our perspective, I suppose our attraction to gold is that we see it as a insurance against crazy and instability. And there's certainly a lot of instability um, going on at the moment. That's for sure. I think what you'll find historically is that there's been two key drivers, or at least that's the way that that's the way that is explained, that drive um, gold prices. The first one is low interest rates, which is an interesting one to, to consider, and the other one being um, a low dollar. So both of them make sense intuitively. If you've got a low interest rate, then the alternative to gold traditionally for protection against inflation is inflation-adjusted bonds. The opportunity cost of investing in gold is not significant if the yields are paying very low low amounts. Whereas if yields are quite high, then, then investors tend to hedge their bets against the market by taking those inflation adjusted bonds. That makes some sense to me. The other, the other one being the low cost of the dollar. It's a little bit more complicated because it also depends in which country you're investing in, in which current in which country that the mines are. But you know, historically, if the US dollar has been weak, then the, the price of gold in US dollars has been higher. Now, I'm not sure that both of those factors are causative. My suspicion is that, in fact, those are just the effects of the underlying issues, uncertainty, volatility, um, and obviously all different sorts of market risks that we see. Now, there's a lot of things, there, there are a lot of macro um, activities going on at the moment that, that tend to suggest that we're going to see uncertainty for at least the, the, the foreseeable future. And of course, there's also a lot of government action going on right now that could potentially see inflation, I'm not sure in what degree we'll see inflation, but certainly inflation is something we're concerned about on the horizon, that could also potentially see um, the gold price going higher. Now, the, the issue with talking about gold directly as a commodity in, in terms of holding the, the actual underlying gold, the physical gold, is that though we've had periods where we've got exceptional returns, you know, from, from the end of Brenton Woods for the next 20 years, I think it was something like 36% per annum return mm. owning gold, which is exceptional. But over the entire period from the 1970s until now, the average return or the, the total return in US dollars at least has been about 7, 7.7%, which is pretty good. Um, but you could have invested in the S&P 500, again, a US, a US uh, index, and you would have made 10%. And I understand that the difference between 7.7 and 10% might not sound like a lot. But when you annualize that and you compound that over the last 50 years, that makes quite a significant difference. So from our perspective, what we're looking to do is instead of just buying physical gold is we've looked to buy a basket of gold equities. Now, we're not keen to just buy every gold equity because just like every other kind of stock in every other kind of sector, there are certain stocks within a sector that are attractive and there are certain stocks that are expensive. And so in general, we're looking or we have looked to build a basket of about 10 different gold stocks within our broader portfolio that give us that hedge um, against the situation that we're really seeing right now, the uncertainty, the crazy, um, the risk. It's providing us with the insurance against the equity markets. And what stock do you want to speak about today? I thought we'd talk about uh, Nova Minerals, which is a smaller cap stock. They've got a fully diluted market cap of probably around about 
100, 120 million dollars. Um, but what's interesting about them is that they've got a, diff, a bit of a different approach to how they're, how they're mining their gold, which I'm, I'm keen to talk about. Um, but if you'd like to talk more generally, you know, the sorts of things that we tend to look for in gold companies are high grade um, reserves, obviously, at low depths, preferably. And that, that's not just for the sake of, of being high grade and low depth, but traditionally, at least, that tends to translate into lower cost of production. Now, as I mentioned, Nova has a bit of a different approach. So they're actually a low grade mine, but they have other ways that they get the low cost of production. You also like to find management who are aligned or who have aligned their interests with their investors. One of the challenges that we find with any kind of investing is that you want to be sure the management are going to do what's in your own best interests. And the best way to ensure that is to ensure that it's also in their own best interests. Um, of course, you'd like to find a safe jurisdiction. You know, you've, you've, you've seen plenty of cases in the past with all sorts of different commodities where when a commodity becomes hot, you know, a government might decide to take over a mine. You know, we've seen companies in, 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 different necks, in different necks of the woods, in different areas of the world where they've had to hire private security because they've just had people turning up in Jeeps with AK-47s, holding them to ransom and, and, and stealing their reserves. So you want to find places, you, you want to find companies with reserves in Australia or the Americas. Those are the, those are the two primary places where, where you've got, you know, that, that attractive jurisdiction. You want to find historical data. And historical data is an interesting one because everyone just assumes that historical data is good for identifying where the gold is. And that's obviously true, but, you know, especially for a small or a medium cap company, you know, knowing where the gold is not can be a massive help. You know, when, when drilling is so expensive and it is so expensive, certainly for these smaller companies, knowing where you shouldn't waste your time is a massive help. So we're looking for companies that have historical reserves and drilling numbers. And where whereabouts, uh, whereabouts is Nova's deposit? Nova's deposit is in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, um, which brings me to my next point, which is access to infrastructure. So as I pointed, Alaska, it's the middle of nowhere where if the grizzly bears don't get you, the cold will. Um, so Alaska has been very fortunate. There was a mine site already built there before they took control of the site in 2017. But what they've done is they've built up that camp. So normally what happens is, given the, given the temperature and, and the environment in Alaska, you can really only work there for about four months a year. So Nova took the view that, you know, we've identified this wonderful reserve. We want to be as efficient as possible. So they actually built a campsite out there, which can, can house up to 30 people, which is more than enough at the moment. And so they are going full-time, um, you know, the whole year, 365 days a year. The other thing they've got up there is quite, which is quite helpful is they've actually got a, um, an airstrip. So they're able to bring in supplies whenever that might be necessary. So moving the actual campsite was quite a, quite a task. They, they ended up bringing some helicopters, which is, quite an interesting video to watch. Um, but on an ongoing basis, they've got that airstrip, so they're able to bring people and other sorts of supplies in as well. And then, of course, lastly, and this brings me to the point that I was mentioning before, is you want to make sure that you're paying the right sort of price for these companies. So just, just holistically, if you look at the bigger gold companies in the ASX, they all tend to trade at about 30 times price to earnings ratio. Mm. So 30 times price to earnings ratio, you've really got to ask yourself, fine, I like the, the idea of owning gold, but am I really comfortable if gold doesn't go anywhere from here, am I really comfortable it taking me 30 years to make back a return on my investment? So I think probably there's been a lot of money flowing to these bigger companies, certainly over the last couple of years as gold has become more and more interesting. I think probably the opportunity in terms of getting a good value deal in the, in, in the mega cap space has probably passed, which is why we're looking to the mid cap and smaller cap areas. So it's an interesting structure with this business where management own a portion of the project themselves and then 85% of it 
is owned by the listed entity. How do you get comfortable with that sort of a structure when you're looking at a, a small cap resource stock? Yeah. Look, I mean, my view is it's an imperfect structure. I'd prefer that the entire mine was owned by the company that I own. But I appreciate that from a management perspective, they've backed this particular project. It's not like it's a company with several mines in several different areas. This is their one baby. This is their one project. So at the end of the day, management have exposure to the project of about 25% of the value of, 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 of the listing, which is quite an investment for, for management to have in the company. And so I'm quite confident that despite the fact it's not a perfect structure, if you, if you were to ask me from the onset, I'm confident, confident and comfortable that management are fully aligned with our interests and are keen to get this mine up and running. And how much cash is currently in the bank and how long do you see that being able to last? Okay, so it's it's a bit of a complicated question because obviously it's a it's it's a company that's undergoing drilling as we speak, and so they are using up that cash to 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 to, to shore up their their reserve and, and 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 to increase that reserve as well. They do have options which are due to expire in about a month's time that are very much in the money, and if we see those options converted, let's say we saw them all converted today, that have in the vicinity of about 15 to $20 million worth of cash. So that's a good position to be in, given that, again, it is at the moment at least a one-project company um, just started running two drills and looks like it's got some, some very, very good prospects in that area. And I think we touched on earlier, but key to the project to me seems to be the fact that it's a really low-grade deposit, but they've got a lot of gold in the ground and they plan to use heat leaching to, to process that gold. Do you want to walk us through some of the numbers um, around grade and potentially what the cost for that heat bleaching process could be when compared with traditional mining techniques? Yeah, for sure. Look, I think it's probably worth noting off the bat that that region, which is called the Tatina Gold Belt in Alaska, is massive. We're talking about a massive area where there is just so much gold, it's almost unbelievable. So the area, the, the region has some 220 plus million ounces of gold, which is astounding. You know, one of their nearest neighbor, one of their one of their nearest neighbors is a mine site called Pebble. They have 107 million ounces of gold. That makes them the single largest gold mine in the world. So you've got to understand coming in, we're not talking about a little site in the middle of nowhere. We are talking about the middle of nowhere, but this is a massive, massive reserve. This is an area that is just filled with gold. So Nova have at the moment identified about 2.5 million ounces worth of gold in an intrusive system. So what an intrusive system means is rather than identifying a vein of gold and then spending a lot of energy and money accessing that vein of gold, essentially, wherever you dig in this region, you will pull up some gold. So while the truth is, as you pointed out, that they are talking about only about half a gram per tonne, the cost of bringing that out of the ground is exceptionally low, right? So if I put it into some perspective for you, if you find a vein of gold, you need to dig your way down to it. The expense and cost of getting down to it is so expansive that by the time you finally hit that gold, you need to make sure that you pull out every single of ounce that you possibly can. So you're prepared in this case to spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on a production facility so that when you get that high grade reserve, you can pull it all out and recoup the costs of getting down to it. With an intrusive system, like I said, there's no real heavy cost getting down to it because everywhere you dig, you're gonna come back with some gold. So the process they have to undergo is much, much cheaper because they haven't 
sunk all of this cost into accessing, into accessing the gold. So what they've built is something called a heat leach pad, which essentially means you build a pad out of some pipes and, and you, you feed some chemicals, some leach for those pipes and you sprinkle some of the leach on top. And through a chemical reaction and through gravity, what happens is you basically get about 75% of the gold fall out to the bottom of this pile of dirt that you've built. And you can access that gold very, very simply. So again, the cost of producing here is exceptionally low. And if you compare it to some, to, to some of their neighbors, like the Fort Knox mine, which is just north of the project, which also has an intrusive system and very similar rock formations, they are running at about $750 per ounce of gold. Mm. And we take into consideration that, the, share, that the, the price of gold at the moment is about $1720. The margins there are tremendous. So again, you're right. It's, it's not your traditional mine where you're looking for the high grade stuff. But these mines can be exceptionally profitable. They're just so large and so cheap to, to process that the upside is just fantastic. And like I said, they've already found 2.5 million ounces worth of gold. They think that just in the region they're currently investigating, which is only one of 15 identified on their side, they think they can, they can increase from 2.5 to around about 7 million. And when Chris gave an interview the other day, he said they're not going to stop drilling until they have at least 50 million ounces from their broader site. So we're talking about a yeah. serious, serious reserve here. And the cost of producing it is just so low that it does make it attractive. And so what sort of CapEx numbers have you thrown around will need to be spent for them to eventually get uh, into production? Look, they're, they're not actually talking about getting into production until 2023, 2024. So getting a look at the feasibility studies, um, there won't be a, a proper feasibility study until we get much, much closer. But again, as I said, if you compare like for like and you take a look at some of their neighbours, Fort Knox have an all-in cost per yeah. ounce of $750 per ounce. So, so it, it looks like it'll be quite cheap. The view I've taken, the view I've taken is I've tried to get a sense of how much they're likely to, to, to process per year and get a sense of how long it's likely to, to take them to pay that back. So again, it's not quite a PE because they're not currently earnings, but I, I, think, I think it's comparable to a price to earnings ratio. And what we found is they're aiming to process about 100,000 ounces in year one. And by year three or year four, they're talking about getting as high as 200,000 ounces. Wow. So given the cost of production being 750 and given the current price of gold being about 1700, you've got to make some assumptions about CapEx and OpEx, but it looks like, it looks like, at least on the surface, this project could have a payback period of two to three years, two to three years. Imagine if you could buy a Newcrest on a price earning, on a price earnings ratio of two to three. Now, Obviously, I grant you, Newcrest is a much bigger business and they've got lots of projects, so diversification is key. Um, but on the face of things, at least, this seems to be so attractively priced based on their potential um, that I think the risk of having a, a single site stock, it, it stacks up. And so tactically, as an investor, when you're in a, a company with an asset in Alaska, I guess this period of the year is going to be quite busy for them. They're able to drill and they're able to do work. And then there's going to be a large portion of the year where effectively things are in hibernation. How do you, how do you see the company being able to manage those lulls throughout the year? Uh, and I guess keep the market interested in what they're doing if there's a large chunk of time when um, drilling and, and works can't happen. Yeah. So, so normally with the region, the Alaskan region, the, the challenge with, with, mining and drilling is accessing the area. And so normally you see that mines operate on about a four 
four months of a year. They operate four months of a year and then everyone goes home because you can't live in the middle of nowhere. Um, Nova recognized this, but also in recognition of massive prospect, what they decided to do was rather than take three years to achieve one year's worth of, of, of work, they've built a mine site up there. And they can do that because they have a airstrip which allows them to bring people and supplies. And they built a site that will allow them to have 30 people working there full time. So while ordinarily I would agree with you that these sorts of areas you can only work on for half the year at best, Nova has intention to work throughout the year and they can do that now that they've brought up the supplies and built the campsite up there. And so even the ability to drill, even when there's, there's snow and stuff, they can still commit to all that? The actual Estelle project is on quite a massive um, space. It's on 220 odd square kilometres of land. And across that prospect, there are different sorts of regions. You've got mountainous regions, you've got, um, you've got valleys, you've got all sorts of different sorts of regions. The feedback that I've gotten is that while it may be true that some of the areas might get flooded or become inaccessible um, during certain times of the year, there is work that can be done on an ongoing basis. Um, and so while perhaps they'll have to move away from their northern prospect, they could move to their central prospect or their southern prospect. And again, like I said, there's, there's 15 separate identified regions where they've got historical, historical um, drills or at least topographical information that suggests that there is gold under there. And between the different op optionalities, there's, there's plenty of things they can do throughout the year. Great. Well, I reckon it's one of the more interesting gold stories on the, uh, on the ASX. Seeing, seeing a company chasing that sort of many million ounces at this market cap is, um, is really interesting. So thanks very much for coming on and, and sharing the story. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.